enter the Ebony Tower podcast, a resource, conversation, and community for and by brilliant yet underrecognized and underrepresented scholars of color. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Ebony Tower podcast. This is Daphne. And this is Rachel. Today, we have our first episode of Tea from the Tower. Yes. So Tea from the Tower is a segment that we do here on the podcast where we'll talk about hot topics, um, academia gossip, um, spill tea, if you will, on some interesting matters. Mm -hmm. Today's episode will actually focus on graduate student unions, which has become a hot topic and a movement of across the nation in public and private institutions. Yes, very interesting topic indeed. I remember some talk about unions on my PhD campus as well. Mm, Well, we just got a union um, at my university, and we will actually talk to one of the representatives um, who is helping to negotiate the first contract. Her name is Cherie Bugner. She is a second-year PhD student in sociology, and we are so excited to talk to her. I am so excited. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But before we begin that, like, you know, I, I just want to catch up with you for a second, Rage. Like, what's going on? Yes. So I've just started this fall a new postdoc position at a small liberal arts college in the Northeast. And so I've been settling into moving to a new place, teaching a course um, that I've designed and also trying to get my own publishing and research done. So I'm looking to publish an article in the next year and maybe get a book deal in the next two years. I'm trying to plan and be goal oriented you know, the whole postdoc <laughs> flow, really. <laughs> oh, like Dr. Rockamore said, are you focusing on the things you're supposed to be focusing on, Rachel? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Actually, now that I'm at that institution, I have access to the um, NCFDD, and I've been watching their webinar on semester planning, and oh my gosh, it is so amazing and so helpful. Oh, so my university doesn't have a membership, uh, but I actually pay for individual membership as a graduate student. And I have started looking at some of the webinars. I started the dissertation success uh, webinar or a series. It's like a 12, uh, 12 like step, 12 week series um, because I am working on my dissertation. I, I am flying to my research site uh, next week and I'm going to hit the ground running. Well, first of all, let's back up a second because if you're working on your dissertation, that means you passed your final comp exam or dissertation proposal and congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Which, you know, that was stressful because you want to put together like a very strong, you know, proposal. And it's also difficult because A lot of us have so many different ideas and questions that we want to ask and to like sit down and decide to commit to something. It's scary because you're like, oh, wow. I'm committing. I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm doing it. And like I said, I'll be there bright and early Monday morning collecting data. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Fieldwork is exciting and confusing, but a good time, I think, and a good space from academia and taking classes. 
Yes, yes. I am not taking any classes. I'm also not teaching um, any classes this year. It's just full-time research. So hopefully, you know, I can see the fruits of my labor um, early and like, you know, get some stuff out. So I'm excited. Wonderful. Well, I can't wait to have this interview. Yes, that's another thing I'm excited about, this interview. Uh, very informative. Uh, Cherie is so knowledgeable because not only does she have graduate school experience um, in terms of like organizing, but she also did this, you know, as a professional in a workplace. So really excited to have her and, you know, let's let's not wait any longer. Wonderful. So let's welcome Cherie Buckner. Hi, Cherie. Hi, Daphne. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. It's a good day. We have good weather. <laughs> yes, very good weather uh, on this close to October day. It's been cold the rest of the week. Yeah, but today was was mighty fine. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was mighty fine. <laughs> okay, so with our Tea from the Tower episodes, we want to give you the scoop of what is happening in graduate life and academia in general. Today's episode will focus on graduate student unionization. Um, so before we talk about graduate student unions, I just want to know more about you and our mm -hmm. listeners probably do too. So who are you and what led you to this crazy place called academia? Wow, it's uh, a great question. <laughs> also, despise talking about myself, but I'll give you the highlights. Um, so I'm currently a second year in the sociology PhD program at Harvard. Um, I grew up in sunny South Florida, mm. Fort Lauderdale area to be specific. Um, it was mostly great growing up there. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure this Boston weather is... Um, well, the thing is, I got out of Florida as soon as I could. So okay, okay. You okay. went to undergrad in Philadelphia. So I was there for four years. Um, then I spent a, a year in New York uh, doing a, a service program. And then I went to wonderful D.C., which is probably the my favorite place I've ever lived. Um, I went there and I got a master's in public administration. Okay. Um, and that was kind of the first time that I had any kind of thought of like, maybe I'll continue this further. And it was mostly um, a professor there that was like, my first semester there, he was like, you're really good at this. You should mm. continue. And I was like, oh, psh, whatever. <laughs> like, I didn't believe him. I was like, whatever, whatever. Um, but then after I graduated from that program, I got a job at a think tank mm -hmm. and I was doing um, like policy research and worked working with a bunch of PhD economists and they loved my sociological mind. <laughs> 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 they were the good kind of economists. So. <laughs> no, no shame. <laughs> anyway, they loved me, um, but they were very encouraging and like, again, we're like, you should do this. Like, you have a lot to say. You have a lot to contribute. And I really enjoyed the work. I just thought that I needed to take it a step further in terms of, like, improving my skills. So that's how I determined I wanted to go back back to school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're actually, you said you're in your second yeah. year now. So, I mean, how are things going? Are you, are you happy with that decision? To okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, two separate questions. <laughs> so, um, I have not regretted my decision to, to go to go, to go back to school, to even to come to this program. Um, it's, 
not been like, you know, a walk in the park. Um, first year, I think a lot of people's first year in graduate school was a little trying on my nerves, on everything. Um, I think this year is going to be better. I'm just still, I'm very busy at the moment and we'll get into reasons why during this interview, I'm sure. But um, yeah, so it's, I think this year is going better so far and I, I'm positive that it'll continue to improve. Yeah. 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 So what, what type of research, like what's your mm-hmm. interest, your topic? Um, yeah, well, I'm very much, a, I research things that I care about. And one thing I care about a lot is unions. Um, so <laughs> I think it's very fitting that um, a lot of my uh, research, like so far here and like the three years I was at that think tank, I was doing a lot of labor market research in particular, like union research. Mm-hmm. Um, and so last year I was looking at the union unions and young workers. Um, this year, I'm hoping to study a little bit more about racial wealth inequality and hopefully to combine the two for my qualifying paper, which is a, I don't know the equivalent at other universities. It's like, like a, a master's it's a paper. Yeah, yeah, thesis. It's yeah, like yeah thesis. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to use too much Harvard speak here, but um, yeah, so unions and w- racial wealth inequality. Okay, yes. Harvard does has like a bunch of weird names for TF. Why? <laughs> so a TF is called it's, it's a teaching fellow. Every other university just calls it a teaching assistant. Like, like we, <laughs> Harvard just is like let's just find a different term because we're quote unquote Harvard. And it, it does make us sound fancy on our CVs, sure, but sure, okay. it makes you sound a little bit bad. Also, like. The the how the people that the undergrad oh, like the tutor. R, yeah they're Proctors. tutors yeah instead of like resident assistant we got these fancy names which is you know cool <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just like I guess speaking of graduate school and kind of what's been happening at Harvard mm-hmm. which is um, different from some other like private uh, universities is that. Recently, the student body voted to have a union and mm-hmm. you are actually, you know, working on negotiating the first uh, deal. Is the it contract? Contract. 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 Legally binding contract. contract. Okay. So in recent years, so not just at Harvard, but in recent mm-hmm. years, we've seen a push for graduate student unions. I know there was one in like Illinois, I think, uh, University of Champaign, Urbana. Mm-hmm. I've seen like a lot of push toward uh, unionization. Mm-hmm. And so based on your experience, and I'm pretty sure, you know, talking to graduate students, mm-hmm. why do graduate students want unions? Like mm-hmm. what, what are some of the factors that are shaping graduate students' desire to unionize? Yeah, I think... Um There's a lot of ways to answer this. I think one of the fundamental things, which I think is why um, there's usually disagreement between graduate student workers and um, university administrations, is that graduate student workers are workers. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's no one that's going to convince me. Otherwise, the NLRB kind of agrees (laughs) with me. You know, so I think fundamentally it's like we're workers. We deserve the same rights and protections as other workers. And we deserve the the ability to form and like to collectively bargain with our university to mm-hmm. assert, assert our power and try to get benefits, pay, working conditions that like we deserve as workers. And I think a lot of people have this kind of mindset, especially probably people in like 
our generation um, who perhaps haven't been around unions a lot because the unionization rate in the U.S. has like declined so significantly um, from its peak that we have this uh, view of unions as being like blue collar workers, you mm-hmm. know, uh, we're affiliated with the UAW. So it's like auto workers, factory workers, people thinking that way. And that's just not how it is today. Like I was in a union at my former former um, job at the think tank and we were, you know, think tank workers and Mm -hmm. we had a bunch of other think tanks that were also in our union. Um, So I think it's for me, it's about having a seat at the table. And I think that's the same way for for other people. And it's kind of hard when you're when you're, you know, you're you're TFing or TAing, (laughs) say that. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, policies and things that are imposed upon you and you don't really have a say. And when you band together in a union, you have that seat at the table. The university is forced to negotiate with you. You have a legally binding contract and you're able to get the protections that you really want. No, that that makes uh, complete sense. And I, I, as a graduate student, I can think of Mm -hmm. a lot of other reasons. So I remember when, you know, the union effort first started and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people that were uh, working on like organizing people and getting all of Mm -hmm. the signatures really wanted to hear like, what are the conditions Mm -hmm. that you are experiencing as a graduate student? And I know like, you know, there were issues from like, pay mm-hmm. to health care, mm-hmm. um, especially like dental we insurance. Like mm. I, I just signed up for it because I'm I'm trying to make that decision. Necessary. I'm trying to make it. I was like, I did it last year. And I'm like, mm. this might be TMI, but like <laughs> I last year I actually got like four wisdom okay. teeth pulled. And it, it was it, it turned out to be useful, but yeah. it was still like that should have been included. But mm. I digress. But like there's a lot there's like but there's a I mean there's a lot of things like, you know, just throughout the campaign and like now just like hearing from people like I feel like dental is like a very quick off like the cuff like I want dental insurance like because like that's such a pressing need. It's so but necessary. there there are so many there's like a lot of other things like from like, you know, smaller section sizes like predictability in your like hours predictability in your appointments um we have like a thing called shopping period which again harvard so you basically don't know for sure for 100 percent if you have a particular teaching assignment until like two weeks or a week into the semester so you, it's really hard to plan you know what you want to do because they could be like oh not enough people signed up for this class and you know you actually can't teach this class so you're mm-hmm. going to teach this other class and what if you don't know the material as well and you spent all summer studying for this you know to other, teach a yeah. different class so there's a lot of things that I think reasons why people want unions but I, I like usually revert to the power thing because that's the mechanism to get these changes yes. that people want. No, yeah. You and you articulated that beautifully before, like <laughs> yeah. a seat at the table. Yeah. And so I, I like that language, like we mm-hmm. want a seat at the table. And once you're there, you can argue, you can negotiate for all of the things that you want. But it's getting that seat at the table because right now Harvard makes all the decisions mm-hmm. or whatever university you're <laughs> at, they make all the decisions and they they can they can choose to, you know, give you a 1% raise one year and a 3% raise another year. And then you it's really hard to plan. Like, it's just, it's bad, especially living in an expensive city. Like mm-hmm. this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um... During the campaign, and I'm pretty sure this will come up for other universities that are trying Mm -hmm. to unionize, there are a lot of arguments against unionization of graduate student workers. Mm -hmm. And you, like you said, like 
you know, maybe people are trying to frame it as like, you're in graduate school, Mm -hmm. you're like, this is a certain, you know, type of profession that is a blue collar. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they try to make that distinction. Survive through hell until you leave. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I wanted to discuss um, a couple of these arguments against unionization and Mm -hmm. just to hear your take on them. Um, So the first one that um, I kind of heard was that like a graduate union would ruin the academic relationship between professors and graduate students because then you have like this other body that's Uh dictating that relationship. That is definitely a very common like argument that like you hear all the time. Um, one good thing is that, you know, graduate student unions are not new. Um, I think what I, I'm very grateful for the fact that this has been going on since like the late 60s or early 70s. And we have just so many instances of other universities, mostly public, but increasingly private. Brandeis just signed, like agreed to their contract like last Friday oh, or something. Wow. Yeah, yeah, this is the movement is, is, is strong. Um, but uh, yeah, so we can learn from their experience and basically... Um, what's been found about this is that that just doesn't hold up. Like mm-hmm. that argument doesn't hold up when you look at the experience of like worker, student workers at other um, graduate stu- at graduate schools. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like you can look at the research, you can, you know, yeah, it just, it doesn't hold up is what I would say. And then there's some research, peer reviewed research that says that, you know, it can actually have a positive effect. Mm. Because it's kind of taking away like this, like worrying about health benefits, worrying about whatever thing that is involved in like the employment process and just leaving that advisee, advisor, like mentorship and research. You can just focus on that. I don't have to go to my advisor and be like, so my health care (laughs) or like my pay or whatever, because Mm -hmm. there's already a contract and understanding that this is what you're going to get. No, that that makes uh, complete sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So what about the argument that unions won't actually protect students against discrimination and abuse in, you know, the graduate uh, university workplace? Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. So that one, um, not to repeat myself, but um, I think when I think about this, I think of like, what is the state of things right now? And right now, Harvard, other universities, and other universities, um, they come up with these policies, right? Um, they might have them on the website. They might not. Like in like uh, in regards to like Title IX stuff, they're mm-hmm. like federally mandated to have like the like online training that we do that. Yeah. <laughs> You know about that. (laughs) That may or may not be, like, as effective as they think it is. But the thing with um, a union is that, uh, sorry, without a union, um, universities have these policies and there's no, like, enforcement mechanism to make sure that they're actually upholding those policies. Mm -hmm. So one of the most important things I believe that a union does is make sure that that is the case because you have this contract. And you have a mechanism through like a grievance procedure. You're able to like, if, if it doesn't, if you can't come to an agreement, you can go to a third party and get it resolved. Um, You're not just, it's not just Harvard policing itself, which Mm -hmm. as we know with any like major institution, that is, that can be very problematic. Um, So I think with the union, it's like, um, like preventing human behavior is hard, but 
I think with a union contract and having union representation, you're able to definitely have recourse when things go awry. No, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, what about unions will make graduate institutions less democratic, that they will stifle the voices of, like, for instance, the graduate students who, you know, don't either agree with the union or mm-hmm. don't agree with, the, I guess, the terms of like the contract negotiated by. Yeah. Um, so one thing I would say that um, so unions especially our union, the way that we're going about it, like the entire process is all about democracy from like the election that you you mentioned, like that was literally the unit or the people that could make potentially make up the bargaining unit voting and deciding that a majority of them want to be represented by our union. Mm -hmm. Um, From that to like the bargaining survey that we sent out, which is a survey where we basically, um, give student workers the opportunity to list things that they're, they want to see in a contract and like talk about their priorities and maybe share some experiences that could help us, me as a bargaining committee member at the negotiating table with the university, because, you know, unlike the university, we're trying to find out these things, (laughs) right. From our, from our student workers. And we're able to be like, this is what they want. Mm -hmm. And with the bargaining survey, we come up with a list of bargaining goals, which I think are very comprehensive and lovely. Um, <laughs> but they basically are like our pie in the sky. If we would want, like, this is what we think a, a better Harvard will be. Mm-hmm. And that's what the bargaining committee will use, you know, to guide them in discussions with the university. I, I can't attest to the fact that that survey, <laughs> you know, when you haven't completed it yet, you get... A better yeah, time. please complete the survey if you're in Harvard or your respective institutions. It's really important. We want to know what you guys have to say. You know, we can't represent you if we don't know what you want. Yeah. Right. And kind of like voting, you cannot complain that it was you not democratic. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you don't complete the survey, you okay. can't complain and say this isn't what I wanted if you didn't complete the survey. Daphne so. said that. <laughs> I said it and I am not a union representative, but that's my general opinion about elections Mm -hmm. and all of those things. I think, I think like, um, so besides like the, like, you know, the things you definitely do as a union, like you, like we've also done other stuff this summer. Like we've held town halls, we've held info sessions. We're like trying to have a, like a presence. We did like tabling the first week of classes. We really want people to tell us what they want. Like, we represent y'all. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, in 2016, uh, uh, the NLRB um, asserted that graduate students or asserted graduate students' right to organize. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, under Obama. Mm-hmm. However, um, I read that Trump has recently, like, appointed um, someone else to the board. <laughs> and now that there's, like, a Republican majority, which, I mean, well, yeah, they, I won't say they're anti-workers, right? But, I mean, I'm just saying, like... I'm just saying. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> but that is, I would say, like, for people who are really concerned mm-hmm. about unions and yeah. being able to unionize, mm-hmm. um, they're a little worried. Yeah. And should they be? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think in general, the, like, climate is not very friendly towards unions right now. Um, and this has been, like, 
true in various moments of like our, our country's history. Um, whether you're thinking about graduate student workers, which like affects us, like that NRB decision was like amazing and really like galvanized a lot of people and a lot of campaigns started. I think ours started 2015, but I'm sure the case was around before 2016, obviously. Um, So it gave a lot of hope to people. And now with the current makeup of the NRB, it's kind of, it's a little bit depressing. I'm not going to lie. So it's going to, it's definitely going to be harder to like form a union or get certified under the NRLRB, like through an NRLRB election, which is what Harvard did. We were very lucky to have So that. we're, Harvard is in the clear in terms of- We're in the okay. clear. We've been certified. We have our union. Harvard, amazingly, I'll give them that. They've agreed to come to the bargaining table. Like we will be bargaining with Harvard. Um, how that goes is to, you know, to be seen. Um, but um, yeah, so that's good. But the thing is, um, going through the NRB is only one way to get a union. Um, so like, I think increasingly, uh, grad, grad student workers at other universities are going to have to use other ways. So um, universities in general are not very friendly towards the idea of their, their students unionizing. But um, Georgetown in particular has had um, success with getting their their university to agree to terms on an election, like election agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, so they came to an agreement like outside of the NRB like system mm-hmm. to have an election. I think it's going to be next spring. Don't quote me on that. Um, and that's going to be under um, a different third party, like the American Arbitration Association or something. So there are ways to bypass the NRB. I think it'll just depend on the institution as to like how successful that is. Yeah. Um, and then like there's always like pressure campaigns and like trying to shame the university. Like there's all, there are things that you can do, whether it'll be successful or not is a different story. But I feel very fortunate that we got our election and we won our election the second time around. That's a long story, but, <laughs> but we have our union and it's great. Um, but there are quite a few other campaigns at other universities and they're really, really struggling because of the NRB situation. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a little depressing. <laughs> um, so you are um, on the bargaining committee mm-hmm. at Harvard and you were previously a union steward and co-lead negotiator at your previous workplace. So can you tell us, um, and you can speak more generally, not just about Harvard, but like Mm -hmm. what are students fighting for and what does that work look like negotiating with the university? Yeah. So we haven't set, sit down for negotiations yet. So I'm not exactly sure how that will look, but in general, I'll speak generally and like through my experience from like, uh, being a negotiator in my other workplace, Um, You generally get your team together. As I said, you do a survey of some sort. You figure out what what the members want. And while I can't get into results of our survey, but um, generally the goals that we are having people vote on at this moment, by the way, if you're at Harvard, vote on your goals. They uh, basically are a broad list of things that people want. And we've mentioned some of them. They want, like, as I said, we're in Boston, the Boston area. People want to like have like raises that are commensurate with uh, the cost of living here. Mm -hmm. Um, And Harvard has like university housing and they'll raise the rent on that like however many percent and then our raise is like three percent and you're just like but 
So I have a worse standard of living every year. It just gets increasingly worse. People want stability and pay. They want higher minimum wages. They want better working conditions. Like some people are in labs that have, like they're dealing with dangerous substances and they want to make sure that they have like the equipment and the safety precautions in in place. Mm -hmm. And in general, like not specifically talking about those two things, but um, there's not too much incentive for like management or or administration to like you know concede on a lot of these areas unless you have some kind of powerful worker voice mm-hmm. that is like forcing them to do that. Again, people want dental. I want dental. I have a friend that is currently preggers and oh. yes, and she wants very good maternity leave and like perhaps help with childcare, maybe. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. there there are things that just as like we're all here in a certain time of our life and as workers. And we also have other things going on. And, and like I said, we're workers. We want the same kind of pay benefits or protections that other workers get. So considering that Harvard had a um, successful campaign, Mm -hmm. um, it was a bumpy road, but it was ultimately successful. Mm -hmm. I guess what tips and strategies or advice would you have for graduate students at other universities who are attempting to organize Mm -hmm. or negotiate? Yeah. So I think if you're in the early stages, you definitely want to make sure you have like a, a diverse group of like organizers, diverse in like every way you can think possible. I wouldn't be able to list all the things that I want you in your group <laughs> yeah. to, to have. But I think if you just have, you know, a bunch of like English PhDs in a room, white men, <laughs> <laughs> like it's not, it's just not going to be what you need to get the broad support you have. And like, there are some universities that are a little more homogenous in terms of like not just race, but in terms of like disciplines, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. Harvard, our unit, we have people in the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences, which are like all the different things you can think of. And then we have a medical school, we have a law school, we have a public health school, business school. And these are different people, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of common like needs. And I think it's very important to have like representation all over the board. So that's that's one thing I would say. Another thing is just recognize that you're going to be going against like a behemoth <laughs> on the <laughs> other side. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what university you're involved in, like they're likely to have like union busting lawyers working for them that are, you know, they know what to write in an email because you know all those emails we got were definitely probably not actually by the person that's name was on it. Um, you're going to get a lot of pushback from your university and just to, to be, to persevere and to realize that there's a reason why they're doing that. And it perhaps makes sense for them to do it Mm -hmm. because they know that, you know, once you get a union, they're going to have to give up a little, like, because that's just how negotiations work. And the status quo is always good for them. Mm -hmm. But the graduate students have a lot to gain from unionization. And just to think, like, for me right now, I'm thinking about, like, that contract, that law, like, I'm like, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever I'm dealing with now, just think of that, Sheree, just think of that. Um, So, yeah. So, and also another thing is you, there's a lot to gain from building relationships with, with student workers from other campaigns Mm -hmm. so like harvard 
probably made so much news because it's Harvard, the richest university in the world, blah, 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 blah. We won our campaign, which was great. And I think that we now, even though we haven't had our contract yet, we have a lot of like, you know, tips and tools. Like, you know, there's a lot of like messaging that we learn how to do. Like there are things that there, sh- there should be like just a toolkit for graduate student union mm-hmm. unions. And mm-hmm. like each new campaign will just like be able to like read all this stuff and learn from like mistakes or like things that went right. Um, so yeah, so just definitely talking with other um, like uh, campaigns or like successful ones and not successful ones. Yeah. You can learn from both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, I think right now we're doing a good job of talking to like other campaigns and like, especially like, you know, newer ones. Um, and just like building that camaraderie and solidarity is always important. Cause like once we succeed, like another one could perhaps learn from us, succeed. And then like the movement will just grow and grow and grow. And I'll be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this was not, so I guess this will, this kind of is a follow up to like advice to them mm-hmm. because I was really interested in like, how do you reach the student who is resistant Mm-hmm. to unionizing I think meeting them where they are so trying to get I think like having a like your conversation perhaps not be about unions to begin with like mm-hmm. at all perhaps um and just trying to learn about them as a person and then maybe transition a little bit to like how they're feeling about their job how they're feeling about the relationship they have with their advisor like a lot of people just I was fortunate to have a very good relationship with my advisor and like my, the person I was RAing for. Um, but you know, anything's possible. So there are a lot of things that people deal with as student workers that they just don't know that there's a better thing out there for them. Mm -hmm. Cause like people have this mindset. I'm in this PhD program for five, six years. It, I might, hate my life during that time and then I have this idea of like it just being like all roses afterwards but there's really there's no reason why people need to be miserable uh, there's no reason why you should have to put up with like really bad working conditions so just talking to people where they are and about their experience and then showing them how a union could help with that and how a union can give them a voice to like voice their concerns without feeling like me, Cherie, I'm going to the president of the university to say, you know, we really should have smaller sex sizes. Like, they're going to be like, okay. <laughs> like, like, yeah. But if it's 5,000 students behind this, like, union and they're forced to, like, at least negotiate on this, it's a whole different story. I hope I answer no okay no you did you did um so you know we covered quite a bit Mm -hmm. but I just wanted to see if there was anything that you wanted to add that we didn't cover that I didn't ask that you think might be important I'll just return a little bit to my diverse statement from before (laughs) some of these spaces may be like very very white and not so much too male but like white and I think it might turn off like potential organizers who mm-hmm. would be like amazing organizers like you could look it up like especially black women we are amazing organizers and i think that it's something that i hope will change um but just like be aware that this is probably what you're going to 
confront, uh, or at least in the in the initial time. And for me, like it was um, initially hard, like not easy for me to like. I'm just naturally shy <laughs> and like to like speak my mind and things. But once I got to that point, like I really felt like my like opinions were being heard. And like when you don't have certain people in the room, like there's always a chance that like something might fall through the cracks that mm-hmm. shouldn't fall to the cracks. So yeah, I would encourage our people to, to, to get involved because there's a lot that could that could be done to, to like improve our particular experience in, in, in grad school, I think, um, from unions. And um, there's just not a lot of us that are doing the organizing work for many reasons, I'm sure. But I hope it changes. <laughs> so so it's interesting that you say that. It was I was always, you know, for mm-hmm. like the union, yeah. but I did not feel connected to the 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 union movement until mm-hmm. some of my like black friends Kate wanted yeah. to talk to me about mm-hmm. like those conversations exactly. and it, it just it it did feel a little bit different than when someone was you know coming up to me with like you this petition to mm-hmm. just sign and when you're having like a conversation with like yeah. someone you know someone you trust yeah. it, it was very different mm-hmm. and you know, we ended up, so I was the president of the Boys Society, and we ended up mm-hmm. having a roundtable discussion mm-hmm. on a Friday night dinner, oh, like cool. discussing, like, it was the 2016 election, yeah. but also the, yeah. you know, union election. And so it was kind of like, you know, between two elections. And it had a, like, a really good turnout. And that was the first time that I saw, like, so many students of color, like, mm-hmm. actually engage yeah. with, like, a conversation about the union. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, really happy that yeah. we were able to do that. And it, yeah. You know, it changed. Like I said, it didn't change my vote, but it changed my disposition because yeah. I saw unions as very like white and very male. Yeah. Um. Like yeah, I, yeah. exactly. I know. I, so the it's funny because like I've done the the research, right? Yeah. So I know that blacks are more likely than whites or any other people of any other race to be in unions. Yeah. Right. That's just like a fact that like exists. Right. Um. But I think just for various reasons that like the like the face of unions like people when people think of union worker they probably think of like a white man in his like 50s working at an auto plant mm-hmm. like i that was the view i had before i got my job at, at my think tank and it was unionized and that's when i learned about unions because like i was there i was in a union i learned about it um so yeah de- yeah yeah so I'm happy that you, you know, had that insight. I and maybe our our listeners who, you know, we have an audience, uh, primarily people of color, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this will encourage you to maybe join an effort at your school to see like you can have a voice, that your voice is actually needed mm-hmm. for this to actually work yep. and get other people that look like you on board. Exactly. Um, so yeah. So how can people find you? Do you tweet? Do okay. you do, do, you so. do social media? Because not everyone does. No, no, no. Um, so so I do have a Twitter. <laughs> My what's it what do they call it? Your handle? handle? Your handle? <laughs> it's at Sheree Bucknor. So it's C-H-E-R-R-I-E. B as in boy, U-C-K-N-O-R. Um, I tweet very sparingly, but when I do you know, it's profound. I love I'm it. sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we will include uh, her Twitter handle in the episode description, as well as some resources or links to the like Harvard Union website if you're mm-hmm. interested in potentially, you know, 
organizing at your university, maybe mm-hmm. you can find um, that website useful. Yes. And I, I hope that you found the tea <laughs> that, you know, we spilled uh, in this episode uh, useful as well. Again, make sure you follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us uh, or or subscribe to the podcast and reach out to us if you would like to hear, you know, any particular topic. Um, if you want to hear from a particular scholar, maybe we can get them on board Ooh. to be one of our scholar spotlights. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Ebony Tower and we will see you next time. Bye. (laughs) If you're interested in being featured on the Ebony Tower, have topic ideas, or simply want to ask Ebony anything, visit our website, www.theebonytower.com, or email us at info at theebonytower.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Ebony Tower. And please don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform.